monetizing digital services since 2004, boosting the entertainment industry by making digital content accessible for everyone. AWG, where innovation meets monetization. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. If you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Greg Giuliano about how leaders can innovate, how they lead teams and develop people. Greg Giuliano, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to be with you. You're joining us from my old stomping grounds outside of Portland, Oregon. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about how leaders can innovate, how they lead teams and develop people. I think most leaders recognize a big part of their role is to help their people, coaching, mentoring, and helping their people develop skills building their bent strength, et cetera. Uh, a lot of people recognize that and understand that. I, I don't think a lot of leaders do it particularly well. And those who do spend time and energy on it uh, oftentimes feel frustrated. They feel they, they get a little burned out because it, it just takes a lot of time and energy. And so the question is, are there better ways to do this um, that are sustainable, uh, that uh, will em- both empower members of your team while giving you as a leader, the recharge to be able to continue uh, to put those efforts in. So we're going to be exploring all of this and, and talk about innovative ways on how we could do this better. As we get started, I wanted to share Greg's bio with everybody. Greg Giuliano is a coach and advisor to Fortune leaders and senior teams. He is an Amazon bestselling author and host of the Ultra Leadership Podcast. I could go on, but I'm going to pause there. Greg, anything else you would like to share or highlight with me or the audience before we launch on in further? That's a terrific intro. I really appreciate it. Right to the point. Very good. So why don't we start uh, by discussing leadership and defining it? You talk about leadership as a choice, that it takes courage. How how do you define leadership first and foremost? Why is it a choice? And in what way does it take courage? Yeah. So I mean, I I love talking about this. So managers there's a distinction, right? All leaders have, there's some aspect of their role is just managing tasks. Um, But managing is about helping people can do the knowable stuff, right? There's the repeatable knowable stuff. 
When we're talking about leadership, we're talking about disrupting a status quo and transforming something, whether it's transforming a whole organization or transforming a team or helping an individual to transform, to develop themselves. And, and so that takes a little bit more courage because there's uncertainty in the mix. Yeah. And, and we, there's a pressure in organizations, a lot of organizations, uh, uh, to, uh, to show up like you know everything. Mm -hmm. And when you're leading, you don't have that luxury that you can't only lead when you know the answer. You have to be able to lead and have the courage to lead when you don't know the answer, but be confident that you or, and the people that you've gathered around you can find the answer. Yeah, it's really interesting. This this idea that leaders, you know, in order to to show confidence and engender trust, that they have to demonstrate their their expertise always, and that they have to, you know, demonstrate that they always know what's going on or understand what the right thing to do is. Um, I, I feel like that's largely a toxic idea. Um, I. I, I get it to a certain extent and nobody wants a leader who just shows up and is like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. And we're, we're just basically screwed. Like the whole external environment's rough and I don't know what to do and good luck everybody. I mean, nobody wants that. Yeah. Uh, you want a leader who has some vision. You want a leader who's going to rally people together, who's going to bring uh, disparate expertise together and collaborate to, to come up with innovative solutions to the challenging problems. Um, but we do want authenticity. We do want, as as members of a team, we want to be able to see a leader who models the process of growth and development uh, in addressing the types of challenging problems that we face in a messy, complicated, nuanced world. Uh, and, and nobody's fooled by the leader who gets up with false bravado and like this faux confidence and acts like they know everything. Nobody's fooled by that. Like people know that they don't actually know anything. And in fact, it usually erodes trust and it can even... Um, cause, you know, I, I see those leaders who tend to do that. They, they tend to be more likely to, uh, pass blame, to throw people under the bus, to protect their own ego or protect their own image. And, you know, all that is toxicity in my mind. And so having a leader who's willing to, in appropriate ways, lead with vulnerability, be authentic, but also still, uh, still lead out amidst the messiness that takes a great deal of courage. It takes a great deal of, self-assurance and maturity, uh, all of those things that um, it's difficult when you're being put through the ringer and all of the pressure is being put on you and the spotlights on you. Right. Yeah. You, I, so there's a lot, I mean, a lot in what you just said. I, I agree with all of it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, I'm gonna go, uh, the, the thing I want to pick up on was the, the, you know, the, the leader feeling like they need to demonstrate their expertise. And, and there was actually, there was, Google many years ago, I think it was around 2008, launched uh, what they called Project Oxygen to figure out what do their best managers do on their best teams. And they interviewed everybody and they looked at everything and they did all the kind of research that they're, they're famous for doing. And, and this is all, and this is all in, in my new, in my new book. But what they found was that, that, that business acumen that, that some leaders lean on was, is a factor in it was one of the things that their most successful people managers team leaders uh, had but it was the lowest on the list of what the teams thought was important and the mm -hmm. number one uh, aspect the number one behavior 
that their best teams and uh, with their best managers had in common was that they were a good coach to their team, mm. right? So they showed up to engage people and empower people. Um, and, and one of the reasons why that's challenging for, for a lot of leaders to, to, to shift to that mindset and build teams that need coaches, not teams that need managers, is the expertise that they show up with, right? How do we reward high performance in organizations? Well, we'll promote that person. Well, they might be a fantastic marketer or a fantastic salesperson or a fantastic engineer, but leading a group of humans mm-hmm. <laughs> is a completely different skill set. And so the expertise that you need, we're just throwing people into, uh, into leadership roles, you know, trying to organize humans and, and help them succeed without any knowing, do they want to do that? Right. So mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. is it a one size fits all, you know, promotion? Oh yeah, of course we'll make them a manager. Maybe they don't want to do that. Right. So, so helping them to build that expertise is a lacking is is lacking and it's and it's often it's too late when we when we start sometimes because we just we they, they build lots of bad habits and uh and they they have a high attrition rate on their team and uh yeah. and they end up being an expense for the company then when they don't have to be we just give them some help I'm thinking of an example. Um, you know, I'm I'm here in in Utah. Uh, we have what's called Silicon Slopes. It's a tech hub, um, you know, modeled after Silicon Valley, and we have lots of big tech firms here. There's a particular large tech company, you know, tens of thousands of employees headquartered here, and um, I was doing work with the organization, and they had one particular VP level person, and. I, you know, I was just hearing grumblings, constant grumblings from people about this person. And uh, as we dig into it, we we find that, yeah, I mean, no one had really paid close attention to it other than just the grumblings until we started to look into it. And this person's team, the people, the direct reports and members of their team that report up through this, this line, um, ultimately their turnover rate was like triple the rest of the company. <laughs> um, you know, so they just had constant churn. Um, and, and we start to dig into that more and it, more and more, it just looks like, yeah, it's really this person. Um, and we start to look at that more. I'm like, well, how did this person get to that level when they seem to be apparently quite incompetent? Um, and it comes back to what I'm sure you're familiar with. I've referred to on the podcast before, but it's called the Peter principle that people are often elevated and promoted to their level of incompetence. You're very good at your job. So you get promoted. You're very good at that job. You get promoted. Eventually you get promoted one more time to the point where you're not actually good at that job anymore. (laughs) And, and largely that's what had happened with this individual. They've been good at their job up to a point. They never really gotten the training, the coaching, the mentoring on how to lead people. And the more leadership roles and responsibilities that they had, the more that burden um, was just too heavy and then all sorts of toxicity formed and all sorts of problems developed uh, where this person otherwise was a really great employee for a long time, um, but they were just elevated to a level that wasn't appropriate for them. And of course, at this point, they're costing the company tons of money. Yeah. Lots of good people are leaving. 
and they feel like they have no choice but to fire this person. And I'm like, what a tragedy because this person was a great employee for them at a different level. Um, we've they've now lost all these other people. All of that's avoidable if if you have this mindset of developing leaders. Um, so they're prepared for these new opportunities. And if you can remember that when we're looking for leaders, we're looking for a different skill set. It's not the person who is the best coder isn't necessarily the best person to be the leader of a team of coders. The best marketer isn't necessarily the one who's the best person to be the leader over a team of marketers, et cetera, right? It's just a completely different skill set. And when we fall into that trap, and I see it again and again and again, um, it, it almost always ends up resulting in problems. Um, so how do we, how do we interrupt that pattern if it's uh, such a common one? Yeah. So I, I think it starts with helping the leader. And I believe that I, I try to keep, have a positive as, uh, assumption about everyone, right? Those people who aren't doing a great job, they don't show up thinking I'm going to do a lousy job yes. today. They are very well intended. Um, and they've just developed some habits and a process that, you know, is, isn't as, as effective as, as it could be, especially yeah. when we think about how we want our teams to work today in organizations. So I like to help them to be very intentional about how they want to show up, right? So have them think, you know, about, and it's usually aspirational. So, you know, what impact do you hope to be making as a leader? What, what's the story that you want people telling about you? And you know, they might, you know, I ask them to do an exercise where they fill in the blanks. I'm a blank leader who helps others blank. And it's, and it's always something very positive, right? I'm an inspirational leader who helps others solve big problems. Or So they come up with something very aspirational and I go, that's fantastic. So what will that look like in practice, right? When your job as a leader is to align people and, and, and empower them and, and help them show up and shape their work and achieve their best. So tell me about what you're doing today and how, does, how is that consistent with this beautiful aspirational you know, impact statement that you've just shared with me? Oh, there's some inconsistencies there. Okay, so what can we start to do to make that impact statement true versus 100% aspirational. So help them to develop some intention. And then we go, okay, so now let's make that real. So you have to align people, you have to be developing people, you have to be making sure that everything, all the work, all the plates keep spinning. Um, and you're doing it in a way that if I'm interpreting your, your, your impact statement, you're not just a boss telling people what to do. You want to draw it out of people and empower them to, to do their best work. Well, what's that going to look like starting today and, and get them to recognize that they've got that gap and they, and they're now they, they're, they feel compelled to make their own aspiration true. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, and walking people through that process and going through the self-reflective phase and then looking at application and how those aspirational goals uh, play out in real life, all of that's very important. And that allows us to be able to recognize the gaps and where, you know, what the areas are for improvement and where we can build on strengths, et cetera. All of that is fantastic. Now I'm curious, as I was framing out the beginning of the episode, I talked about how leaders can innovate, how they lead teams and develop people. What are some of the things that you see in terms of innovation 
around this approach to coaching and mentoring and developing members of your team? Uh, one of the biggest innovations for a lot of leaders is, you know, something that I just mentioned is to just stop telling people what to do. Yeah, that to, that to you know that it, whether you've uh, you know you're you've hired the whole team yourself or you inherited the team, you quickly have to do an assessment of what is this person capable of contributing and help that person to shape their work. That would be a huge innovation if we stop telling people. Here's what I want you to do this quarter. And we just ask people if they if they are aware of our our team's mission, why do we exist? What's our important work that if our team doesn't do this, there's no other team in the company that's going to get this work done. Oh, OK, so you're part of that team. So what's your part this quarter? What are you going to do? Right. That one innovation of of shifting. You know, Monetizing digital services since 2004. Boosting the entertainment industry by making digital content accessible for everyone. AWG, where innovation meets monetization. You know, how people, you know, figure out what's their important work as a part of the team in service of the team's shared goals um, is, a, is a tremendous innovation for most teams. Yeah, and I think about the empowering aspect of that. So first and foremost, allowing people to develop their own you know, it, it needs to align with, of course, the organization's mission and vision. It needs to right. align with the the team's mission and vision and purpose for sure. But to have each individual with the autonomy uh, and empowering them to actually think through their own goals and how they're going to fit. And as a leader, you can help find that alignment and fine tune it, right? But you give them a chance to to lead out on that. Uh, it's so much more powerful. Uh, we've all been part of teams and organizations where the goals are directed at us where we're told this is what you're going to do. Uh, and it, it's just, no, it, you can have the, the highest performing team, well-meaning, well-intentioned individuals uh, who are ambitious and they're going to go charging and they're going to get those directions and they're going to go after it. Um, but it's still not the same as when you just empower people um, to go after the goals that they have come up with themselves uh, or in partnership with team members. Uh, they just have better ownership over it. They feel empowered by it. Um, they're setting a goal because they feel it's possible, you know, all those sorts of things, uh, which sometimes aren't the case when, when, uh, there's an edict about some sort of a goal that comes down to them. Um, uh, for all those reasons, I think just empowering people to come up with their own goals is great. Another thing I was thinking about, as you're describing that kind of a situation where leaders and managers are telling people what to do, how often, you know, do we fall into the trap? of thinking, well, I'm the leader. I figured it all out. Obviously I'm super successful. I've been chosen for this leadership role. My job is to develop other people to become like me because I have it figured out. Since I have it figured out, I'm going to help them do their work the way I do my work. Uh, right. And in my mind, that might be well-intentioned and I might think, yeah, I'm really going to empower them with all, all these skills, the things that have helped me to be successful. What we're doing though, if we do that, if we fall into that trap, is we're forgetting one, the value of diversity, the diversity of thought, the diversity of, of different context and background and skill sets, the diversity of expertise that members of our team bring to the table. And if we're trying to dictate how people do their work, um, not necessarily what they're getting done, but like how they're doing it. And we're trying to tell them, you know, you need to do it this way, do these steps, do it in this process, do it at this time, et cetera. The more rigid we are, the less autonomy people have, the less 
people feel empowered to figure out their best way to do the work um, to produce the results that the team needs. Um, again, the less ownership that they're going to feel over the work that they do, the less empowered they're going to feel. They're not going to feel as much meaning and purpose in what they're doing. And generally speaking, you're just not going to get as good output. You're not, you're not going to get as good of stuff, whether that's code or whatever, you know, the product or services that the team is producing or that the organization is creating to add value to the market. Uh, so we really, it, it's such an easy trap to fall into as a leader. Even the, the best well-intentioned leaders can fall into this trap. We have to be willing to check ourselves and to make sure that yes, coaching, mentoring, um, people is important, but trying to create little mini me's, uh, and replicas of myself is not what we're going for here. Right. Well, and if you're truly coaching and mentoring, you're not creating a, a, a mini me because if I'm telling you, here's how I do it, do it this way, that's not coaching. Coaching yeah. isn't telling. It's coaching isn't, hey, do it the way I do it. Coaching is is recognizing that the how can I develop this person, right? So if I'm just telling the person, here's how to do it, I don't, I don't even know what their get, what the gap is at this moment in time. Right. So I'm just, so it's, it's not, it's not coaching, it's teaching or it's telling. Um, and so starting re flipping it and asking the person, so what's going on? What are you trying to do? Where are you succeeding? Where are you stuck? What have you tried? So showing up with more empathy and more curiosity and, and helping the person solve the problem by helping mm -hmm. them think it through rather than just telling them. And the reason why we do fall into that just telling gap, I mean, it, we, you know, I think a lot of us uh, are addicted to being the expert problem solver. Yeah. And, uh, and that keeps our people from developing. And it's dis like you just said, it's disempowering. If you're just going to show up and tell me what to do, then why don't you just do it? And I'll just, and so engagement levels start to drop because, okay, well, you know, it's the same thing. You're just going to tell me what to do. So I'll just sit here and wait for you to tell me what to do versus showing up and, you know, okay, well, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? Okay, well, what, do you, what, what options do you have? What, and helping people solve their own problems and learn that thinking process um, that then they can begin to, that, that's what you want to replicate, that, that thought process for solving problems uh, and, and making aligned decisions. Um, that's what you want to replicate, not here, here's how you do it, right? So I, I become the expert problem solver, the user manual for everybody on my team. And what happens is if that you've got a team that's designed like that, then if you're not around, everything grinds to a halt because they can't find you and they're thinking, oh, we shouldn't make a decision because, yeah. you know, the boss, you know, has to tell us what to do. Uh, that's becoming less and less uh, um, a reality in organizations just because the generation that is in the most of the workforce now, they're just not tolerating it, right? So it's, it, you know, hopefully that's dying out. It can die out more quickly, um, but, but it is dying out. Yeah. And I think we've probably all had that experience where we've worked for that kind of a boss. Uh, and it really is frustrating because you know, you're chosen for a role, you have certain talents and expertise, you're tasked to do X, Y, Z, whatever, come up with this thing. And then you do, and then 
when you have that kind of a boss, um, it may not be their intention, but it's a different kind of form of micromanaging when when you take that approach. So your your person comes to you uh, with some a problem that they have, and and then you you know walk them through exactly what you would do. Um, it it it's subtly sometimes subtly, sometimes not so subtly, I suppose, but it, generally it's a kind of a subtle undermining of that individual and their own critical thinking skills, their own talents, their own expertise. Uh, and it disempowers them to feel like they have the the decision-making autonomy to to move things forward. So like you said, things grind to a halt. I think a lot of leaders, they're not, they're not coming to the table thinking this is all about me and I'm going to stroke my ego by like helping people um, with their problems. And then I'm going to feel like I'm the expert and, and I'm going to feel good about myself. I, I think, I don't think most people go through that thought process, but I think that's what's going on behind the scenes kind of in our subconscious a lot of yeah, times yeah. because we get the dopamine hit of like, yeah, I'm the boss that people look to for guidance. I'm the one with the answers. I'm the expert. It feels really good when you give people those types of answers and they leave, you know, thinking, oh, I know what to do. Um, but you have to think not just short term. You have to think long term. And are you developing these people and their abilities um, to to be uh, self reliant and independent of you, uh, or are you making them more reliant on you? Uh, and right. that that is where I think the the problem arises for a lot of leaders. It's not the intention, but it, it it's the outcome. Yeah, yeah. So I'll bring it back. the 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 biggest intention uh, innovation that uh, a, a a team leader can can put in place is to design the team so that the, you've got a team that needs a coach and doesn't need a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's intention that ties back to what's the impact that you want to make that you can look at, you know, nobody, what's that person's, what impact do they hope to make? I want to be this kind of leader who helps other, these people do these, this thing. Okay. Well, then that sounds like a coach that, that sounds like somebody who's empowering to people and, and activating people and developing talent. And so that's not a tell them what to do kind of a thing. So you just keep holding that mirror up and then work with them to design a team uh, that needs a coach. And, 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 and I lay that, I lay this all out in, in the new book. Uh, like, you know, so if, if you're looking for a recipe book of how to do that, that, that it's there. Um, yeah. But that's the biggest innovation that, that leaders can bring to their teams is to think about the, how they've designed it. If my team isn't, you know, communicating and collaborating with one another, I've designed it that way as the leader. What do I, so I need to rethink how I've got my team design. If my team isn't empowered and showing up to, you know, to take the, take the lead and shape their work, I've designed it that way. So yeah. if I want a different outcome, I need to think about, okay, well, how have I designed things and how can I redesign my team so that uh, it gets me out of the expert problem solver role that I've designed for myself turns me into a coach and empowers all these awesome people uh, to show up and do their best. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Greg, this has just been a really fun conversation. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience, how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, thanks. I, I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I love talking about this stuff. Uh, you can find me at ultraleadership.com. So we have an organization of coaches and consultants that 
go out and work with leaders and teams to help them be better leaders and teams. So you can find more about me at ultraleadership.com. Uh, the new book is The Next Normal. It's available wherever you get your, your, your books. Um, the podcast is Ultra Leadership, and it's wherever you get your, uh, your podcasts. Um, so hopefully that your listeners will add me to, the, to their list. And after they listen to you, they'll come and listen to me. Um, and I guess the final word is, is around what you and I have been talking about is how can leaders... Uh, become more intentional about how we show up uh, and recognize that that we are in this role to serve and take care of the people on the team. It is not the other way around. And if we remember that, then all good things. Yeah, well said. Greg, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Greg and his team can do for you. Check out the podcast, check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.